Right, we're rolling. On this podcast, we'll be talking about different areas of business and all things marketing. My name is Dave Doyle. And I'm Dave Alton. This is Social Antics, another marketing podcast. Hey guys, thanks for joining in on another week of Social Antics, another marketing podcast. My own name is Dave Doyle and I'm joined by Dave Alton. How are you, Dave? How's things? Not too bad. Um, usually you ask me that question. How, how has your week been out of interest? Uh, 16 episodes it's took, I think, for you to ask me how I'm doing. I'm not a very considerate person, to be fair. <laughs> like, I wouldn't even just kind of, it's a very transactional relationship. We go to the podcast, we end it, and then we move on till next week. Um, how am I? I'm not too bad. A busy week. Um, yeah, it's actually very weird for you to ask me. I actually wasn't prepared. That's one thing I didn't prepare this week. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough, fair enough. Um, it's been a busy, yeah, it's been an interesting week, I suppose, even outside of marketing, like, we were, we were both saying, we, we, we looked in, there's, there's not a massive amount happened this week, in terms of big news, I suppose. There wasn't, no, there wasn't, there was, if there was a lot of interesting marketing stuff happened, shall we say, but in terms of something big, like the Uber story last week, or something like that, there wasn't really much, to be honest with you, there was the rioting in Dublin, alright, that was, that was, that was, um, that was a not a great moment for society so right so we'll chat to you next week <laughs> yeah that's it yeah yeah, yeah the right the right was interesting in Dublin um, look once again social media doing its part spreading the awareness you know uh, depends on what side you're on but some people are just fucking stupid as well like you know there is like that. there's no like I mean the, there was like the amount of people that were saying end the lockdown and like I can take some of that on board. Not really, but I can see kind oh of God. where you're coming from. But then the amount of people that there were wearing masks yeah. were minimal. And I also would say as well, and this is a shout out to the opposite sex, very, very few women there. Yes. It was all angry white that. men, basically. Yeah. Um, but like, look, it was just, I was just sad. And again, when you have whatever about any legitimacy that you can put behind any protest, once you start f- shooting fireworks at... Gardy, yeah. you've just lost all respect yeah. for everything as far as I'm concerned. Um, absolutely, incredi- incredibly just like uh, scrupulous behaviour. I'm right, more for a look if there's a cause there and a protest has to happen or, you know, uh, as we all know, a lot of people are losing faith in the government and all that kind of side of stuff. We're not going to go into that. But if you want to have a protest, Grant, go have your protest. Don't stand in the guard's face shouting and roaring in his face saying peaceful protest and then don't. Um, and then get annoyed basically when he slaps the head off you. Do you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, it's one thing that I actually did note. So like, you're provoking. That's all they're doing, just provoking. And there's there's a camera at the wrong time or whatever it is. And obviously, look, there's there's background stories to all these, and we don't see the full picture. That's the beauty about social media. You're going to see ten seconds of something, but no matter what, shoot, bringing a firework and shooting at a guy's face. But there's no, you <laughs> see, it's very hard to look. But and again, I am sure there are some people, very, very few, I would imagine, that have some legitimate reasons. But, like, again, you had the the, the photograph of the, the two women and there was spelled well, the wrong. RT, RT thing. And then you had the, the stories coming out, the interview. I think Mark Tighe did an interview in this for the Sunday Independent. 
and some of the stories were they're on about like your people eating babies and conspiracy. It was like, where do you even start with this mental stuff? Lockdown seriously getting people. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's a I'm looking forward to getting a lot of hate mail now after this. That's going to be fucking great. That's why dumb audience gone. That's dumb audience gone. But no, there's. No, it was, it, was, it was sad to see it, really, to answer it. The one thing that I did actually take out of it, though, which I thought was interesting, is that, like, you see a lot of rioting, probably in the UK and America recently enough, and a lot of it is kind of anti-establishment, anti-authority, and so on and so forth. What I think is very, very interesting is that, obviously, the public perception of the guards in Ireland is very, very positive, just on the basis that a lot of the reaction was on the on on the guards kind of a thing. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, it was very, very, very positive towards how they dealt with the situation, how they reacted to it. And that's going back to probably how they've dealt with things during COVID, but also the relationship that the guards would have with communities and stuff in general anyway, I think. So it's, it's, it's just interesting to see how you know, this community, call it community policing, call it narrative, whatever you want to call it, the, the society's opinion towards authority is very, very important, particularly at times like this where flashpoints can, can spill into chaos, shall we say. Well, talking about community and the guards and all that, my favourite video that came out with the whole lot was, um, I don't even know where, I think it was on the news and it was just kind of, it's almost like blinking you miss it kind of a thing, but basically two guards running into the riot with the batons out and one decides to take a swing and takes the leg off the guard. Like, yeah, you know, I saw that, yeah, yeah, I saw that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm surprised yeah. that didn't go out more, but, but in terms of, um, yeah, in terms of marketing, social media, business news, at an exciting pop-up for you this week. Um, well, I suppose the the first one that popped up, which I think is just a a time of the a change of the times more so than anything else, is that um, Bank of Ireland announced that they were uh, closing a yeah. hundred um hundred of their branches across the country, um which I think is predominantly it it's a sign of the times. It's the way things are going. People aren't using branches anymore. People don't want to use branches anymore. Um, well, it's following on the back as well of like a couple of weeks ago. We didn't mention it on here, but a couple of weeks ago, Ulster Bank pulled out of Ireland as well you know and it's just as you said it's a sign of the times and the way things are going everything is moving digitally yeah no entirely and I think look the banks are are probably trying to innovate at this moment in time but they're going to have to like I mean if you take particularly we said night obviously um, lecturing lecturing different courts of students but I mean all of them now if possible will avoid a bank they're going to go Revolut. Um, and then if you talk about people then who have money, so the bank strategy with college students was always relatively straightforward. You lose money on them for the first number of years and then you make their money off them. Then when they go get a mortgage or whatever the, whatever the case may be, that was typically the strategy. I'm simplifying it, but that was typically the strategy. Now, you're not even onboarding these guys or the, the students kind of at a younger age just purely because it's easier for them to go online, sign up for Revolut, Pass, um, photograph your passport, photograph your driving license, card arrives in the post, and the functionality in these apps is a million miles ahead of what you get with all of the what the other um, Revolut, what the kind of Revolut traditional bankers fantastic do. Fantastic in terms of it's online, you know, capability. As you were saying there, the capabilities, the ease of it, you know, the, just the customer, um, you know, the the interface is just fantastic. And it's and like I would use online banking with Bank of Ireland, and I would use online banking with Permanent TSB. They're not a patch either of them uh, on what Revolut can do yeah and even just simple basic look so I was there the other day and I just went um, I updated the app and I went down and there was like um, deals of the week and it was like 30% off Adidas if you use your Revolut card okay. and I was like I'm having some of that no problems yeah. at all do you know what I mean so different things like that that may and like banks used to do this as well but it was a bit 
it was a bit more convoluted. You'd yeah. go into the store and show them that make you're it, a bank make, of all yeah. this. Make it work for it. Yeah, like, it's yeah. not automated. So that kind of, um, those processes they've built into this technology, I think is fundamental. And then little things as well. The saving tools, take your change, put it into a savings account. Joint vaults, all this yeah, kind of All stuff. this kind of stuff, splitting bills, yeah. just basic day-to-day payment functionality that you would have used traditional cash for, but now you have to translate that into whatever online product that you're offering people. Um, so no, I mean, look, it's going to be interesting to see how the banks, um, traditional institutions, um, globally as well. This isn't just a, this isn't an Irish banking problem. This is this is globally. Um, well, it's, it's, if you think about it, then you know, did did COVID hit at the right time for these banks? Because you look at the likes of, you know, Bank of Ireland and all this, and they got the new CEO there a couple of, couple of years ago now, uh, Francesca. Um, her whole thing when she came in is one of the main um goals that she set out was to make the bank more digitally friendly. Um, so they started, you know, cutting down, you know, basically nowadays a lot of these banks are an ATM room with a cover, you know, it's just, it's almost like your staff have become your security guard and that's it. There's no face-to-face tellers anymore. Yeah, but, di- yeah but digitally friendly is not the same thing as, as creating customer experiences via no, digital technology. it drives me nuts when you need to, you need to go and speak to someone and you can't. That just drives me nuts. But, but the thing is, this has been being rolled out for the last couple of years to make the banks, you know, pushing uh, customers online. I think, you know, and we've seen it across a couple of different industries, you know, COVID's hitting, it's given them the excuse, right, now is our chance, get online, you know. I think it just came at a good time for them that they can go and do it, and obviously, look, you know, staff are probably going to be moved around, some are going to be offered packages, whatever it is, you know, just, to, you know, it's going to be a good time for them to, to save. Yeah, they're going to have to innovate quick, because again, even people of, like, people of my generation now, and there's so many places now you can put your money, um, mm. outside of traditional banking and institutions like so again via Revolut you can invest in cryptocurrency you can invest in stock now again the mechanisms that they do that I would question but again you can do it um, if you want to set up a Kraken account or Coinbase account to invest in cryptocurrency which is all the kind of the rage at the moment then absolutely you can and when you are and there's a huge trend or an emergence at the moment towards what we're kind of referring to as passive income and kind of quick wins and a lot of generations now are always looking to how can I increase my salary from 30 to 40 or 40 to 50 grand via engaging in some of these kind of in day trading and things like that. And people are being drawn into it. We won't not mention really the knowing. fella's name, but the, the side hustle, isn't it? Oh, the side. Yeah, it's all that's <laughs> it. Side hustle. Yeah. Whereas like the, the, the conventional way that you would invest is that you invest and you keep something there and then compound interest yeah. takes its takes its toll over a number of years and you're going to have interest um, accumulating for when you retire. Whereas now people are looking for the quick win. And I can see, like I did, it wasn't, it was for my own research more so than anything else. And I've invested in some crypto and stocks and stuff in the past, but... Yeah, you're, I never was, get, like, you're never getting that back. The, no, <laughs> yes, yeah. But the... Um, but there was a few like a number of weeks ago I invested in it in because one of the largest centers look get put money into this cryptocurrency it's mental and I put 200 quid in just to see what would happen over a period of kind of two well, weeks two you. weeks you of job you have. I swear to god within five days that 200 quid was up to about 700 quid did you do the smart thing and take it out or no 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 because I was in no because I was doing it generally to be interested <laughs> what, what I was actually doing and now it's back down yeah, to like 220. <laughs> but this is in the space of like weeks. Yeah. So this isn't in the space of months or years. Like, do you know what I mean? So like the volatility of these markets is incredible. But I think that 
actually adds to the excitement of the whole thing for people and therefore they're willing to put Gamble. the money into yeah and it's gambling essentially yeah on these things because again it's a place that they can put their it's a place that they can put their money so again in terms of fintech and like financial and those things like you know and robotic software there in terms of um, automated stock purchasing yeah, and all that yeah. kind of stuff all that kind of stuff is going to feed into pe- the the access to stocks access to cryptocurrency becoming um more legitimate one as pe- as more people start doing it there's obviously a trust and a credibility issue there that still exists with um with cryptocurrency um but when you have the likes of your revolutes for example buying into this then all of a sudden these are product offerings that the bank are currently not offering and that presents a huge problem for the banks essentially if they're looking to capture um if they're looking to capture people early along the funnel now that being said again like i said a while ago banks don't make money off consumers when they're students or when they're younger they make it off them when they're kind of older in life shall we say making the big decisions looking for a mortgage <laughs> exactly looking for a mortgage looking to adopt a dog whatever you're whatever you want to invest your um, <laughs> invest your money and what that basically means is that you're just pushing the consumer down the funnel. Yeah. And then how do you capture people at that stage? And there's going to be issues there around, well, you don't have a banking history because everything is tied into Revolut, which isn't a bank. Or if you are someone who invests or has a track record of investing in crypto stocks. It's not going to look in good. In a digital. Right, yeah. What yeah. does that look like? Yeah. I mean, traditionally speaking. You may as well be walking in with Paddy Power in your bank. And that's the too. thing. Like, that's the example that I was going to give. Like, I don't gamble on things like sport and stuff like that. But um, a lot of my mates who would would use like a Revolut or something like that yeah. to have their gambling because they didn't want myself, to show them up in their bank account. When I went for my mortgage, um, I had the Revolut statements printed out. To me, it's a, it's a bank account I own. Do you know, it's, I have that kind of view on it. But when I went in, the, the mortgage didn't look for it. It didn't matter at all. I could have had thousands in there. I could have been in somewhat in debt in there with the stocks and all that kind of stuff. They didn't look for it at all. It didn't yeah, show yeah. up. So it's interesting that they don't even worry about it do you know because it's what's coming through your bank account with them essentially is what they're interested in and again i don't know i don't know a huge amount about this area to be honest with you but the um the in terms of the banking market in particular but there is a clear consumer trend towards these more disruptive fintech products and you would just worry for the banks that if these fintech products started offering things like the loans the mortgages where where are they going where to, are they going to yeah. lie then? Do you know I mean? think like, going back to the you know going back to the the initial thing we talked about in terms of that physical experience of walking into a bank and chatting to someone if you have a problem now you're being you know it started out that the phone's over there go give me a ring or I'll dial it for you do you know it started out with that and now it's no it's you can do this online check out the the frequently asked questions whatever everything is being pushed online that is going to hurt the reputations of the banks even more now and it's a different dynamic like I remember after the last crash there was this kind of metaphor going around the place whereas if you had a kind of a country town or a country yeah. bank and there was a there was a repossession of a house or someone had fallen behind their mortgages and there was a huge amount of that going on post um, post crash that they wouldn't have the local manager doing it because he'd know everyone yeah. they'd bring the big gun down from Dublin three or four <laughs> times a week and he'd be the one with the shotgun to take people out and all the rest and that again that relationship that people have with their banks is one. It's a good one because it means they're they're less likely to evict you. Whatever the story is, I'm I'm, I'm generalizing here big time. But like, if you have an issue with like a multinational bank in terms of a loan, getting in contact with these people is not the easiest thing in the world. Like, I would still say that 
and I've had I have a Revolut account I have an N what was it N26 account whatever it's called um, I have a few of those kind of accounts and I've tried out things like your Robin Hoods of this world as well again just to see to understand what they're like the customer service is appalling like the product With is Revolut, brilliant is all of them they're every single but, one but of see, them are the appalling it's kind of like you know what you're getting because you think about right I, I as I said I, I'm with Bank for and I have an account with Permanent TSB was the first one so I'm like Permanent TSB was do you know the more I send you to get your bank account the more I was with bank, Permanent TSB so I went there do you know that kind of thing so I've always been with them but as I said I'm going used to going into a bank dealing with a teller or whatever it is I signed up to Revolut knowing there is no physical presence there is no so I'm not too worried about having that kind of customer service unless something goes wrong so that's the kind of the 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 barrier I suppose it's the jewel but the difference is is that like you would have grown up and you've got your first bank account like do you know what I mean whereas again in a world where your first bank account is Revolut that relationship doesn't exist that that doesn't filter into the decision making process but again I think it's when like you never want to talk to your bank unless something goes wrong right wages don't get paid money gets lost whatever the case may be and again if you are trying to talk to someone in Revolut HQ whatever that is and trying to get something resolved it's a hell of a lot easier to do with your local bank manager so again that customer service element there are some things there are some types of customer service that you love to be automated your delivery was late that's fine it's 15 quid gone or whatever whereas when you're dealing with things like your wages your money and all this that's where that's where that customer service dynamic I think will become more important and it's where the banks will still win out but would they be able to kind of um, capture a lot of the market lost as well? Like personally, we I I don't I, I understand the reasons why Bank of Ireland would look to close the branches. Like there's not many people going into these, especially now with COVID. You know, oh no, it makes less, no sense. You yeah. know, the younger audience are just doing everything online or you know through you know ringing up customer services. You already said, so I get it from that point of view in terms of a business. It is a, a somewhat of a good business decision, but the thing is. I feel sorry for the real, like it's particularly in Ireland, it's grand for us in Cork, you know, we have a couple of branches to choose from, but someone in a real rural place, that's it, it's gone. They have to travel 40 minutes to their next branch, you know, and the hope that there's someone there to talk to. But then you think about it, as we already mentioned, these rural places could have now Bank of Ireland leaving the town. They might have had an Ulster Bank leave the town a couple of weeks ago. On Buster shutting down for the last few years in small rural places. So next thing now that you have no financial kind of bank in your area and the pubs are closed as well and the pubs so yeah you can't even drink to, to drink <laughs> drink your sorrows away <laughs> like, my wages didn't appear in my account I have no money I have no money but I have no money to spend anyway I can't go anywhere with it yeah but yeah it's a good point it's a good point what we, else we move up? on from banking yeah Jesus That's Christ we're yeah. way over depth now yeah <laughs> go on what um, is so I think one that really kind of caught the eye this week which I thought was interesting is um a comment from um, Brian Chesky, who's the CEO and one of the co-founders of um, of Airbnb. And he basically came out and he said that for the, over the last kind of year or so, they've basically cut their marketing spend by about 58%, which is an equivalent of a, a $662 million cut pocket on money. their marketing pocket money, of course. And yet he is saying, or he's, main, he's maintaining that they still... Um, received about 95% of web traffic that they did in the same time last year. So as a learning experience for them, what he's basically suggesting is that they are now going to pivot their strategy from more performance marketing, so search, pay-per-click, AdWords, so on and so forth, um, 
towards more kind of brand storytelling, public relations, and that kind of um that kind of element of it. Um, whether that means that they're going to take that whole six hundred and sixty-two million and reinvest it in that corporate, so I'm not too sure, or whether it's just going to be the the, the ratio is going to be different. They obviously haven't been named. Um, obviously, not going to tell us what their what their strategy is going for. But I think it's um it's interesting that in a world where and we said it in this podcast before, like brand and creative is the differentiator. But when you're talking about something where there is a clear intention, i.e., I'm going abroad that's where it gets a little bit sketchy in terms of why they would do this but that's why clearly I was going to say like, they have a brand that people are seeking out so obviously their their organic you know uh, their organic engagement their organic searches whatever is going to be up compared to someone that's trying to push someone to a site for a sale do you know like maybe compare them to a normal hotel do you know you have a hotel in an area of about 50-60 hotels for argument's sake whereas no I'll, I'll do an Airbnb next thing they're already on the site so they're getting the traffic, they just have to get the sale at the end of it. It, ma- it makes sense, but what I would wonder, because like, I mean, okay, they say that they're after maintaining 95% of their search, right? And, that, and that's absolutely fair. However, this was probably during a period where the likes of Booking.com, Expedia also weren't advertising either. So therefore there was no one to take that yeah. lost traffic the that they would have lost, down, yeah. basically, yeah. So now... I would say in terms of like Airbnb, like like if you look at the market cap of Airbnb since their IPO, they have a market capitalization which is more than the combined value of like Marriott, Hilton, yeah. like why um Wyndham I think it's called um American Air, all of these combined like I mean the as a chains. band yeah. they are a brand they are absolutely incredible in terms of what they do and it's a global brand and it has to be a global brand because yeah, so you can't you can't either talk about doing something like this or achieve something like this without being at the level that Airbnb are at oh no 100% and they've always been very like their brand from the start was very very clever this idea of when you're going to a city live in that city while you're there rather than spending your time in a hotel and hotels are 90% commodified anyway right Um, so I mean their whole strategy is very very um very very clever in terms of who they're going after the kind of adventure tourists or the kind of lads holiday and they cater for a variety of different yeah. um, audiences depending on what they're doing they're really Budgets. really into the experience um so no in terms of that stuff that they've done um they've done a really really good job and they also said as part of this kind of interview that um that brian chesky did he also said that they're going to be combining so they have um I think they call it like a sovereignty fund or something like that, where they have invested about nine point two million in Airbnb shares, which go out to kind of their best hosts, shall we say? Okay. So therefore, again, this idea of the share economy that they're constantly giving back to good hosts and making sure that they stay with the um that they stay with the platform. So again, very very clever business. I will also argue in a way they don't really have any competition. Like they have competition in terms of accommodation, but in terms of individual housing, that kind of a model, no, there's not. I can't think of any, nothing that's popped up for me. No, I can't can't either. Yeah, as you said, like, you know, you have the Travagos, the Booking.coms, all these kind of, where they're hotels, B&Bs, guest houses, where it's not someone's bedroom, basically. It's not a home, like, you know. Exactly. No, it's, um, and it's fat, like, I lived with a guy who Airbnb'd out his room here locally and it's a bizarre experience but you can see how people can get into the idea of it like I didn't like I didn't really it was an odd experience for me because I had a different housemate every night effectively (laughs) but you could see the appeal of it to a certain extent of you're meeting new people constantly 
different stories every night there is a kind of a social element associated yeah. with it every night every time there was someone new came in so again it's it, I can see how from a host perspective you can turn it into a kind of a, a lifestyle thing and also it's passive income as well so I can totally get the appeal of a brand for a host obviously you can get the appeal um, um, as a customer as well like I remember we got an Airbnb me and a few of the lads went on holidays to Iceland it was Iceland and um showed up at the house, keyed in the code to get the apartment. You wouldn't have forgot to put the key in the bloody lockbox. Right. And in fairness to Airbnb, they had money in our account very, very quickly so that we could go and yeah, book hotel a hotel. So, like, I mean, their customer service was spot on as well because otherwise you're stranded in Iceland. With no, now, what would we have done if there was no hotels? I'm not entirely sure. <laughs> that would have been great fun slumming it in Iceland, <laughs> sleeping in a volcano. Um... But no, it just shows you again the power of the brand. But I would also say it's kind of um, next year is a huge year for Airbnb. Like they lost about eighty percent of their revenue last year, yeah. obviously on account of COVID. Um, they well, posted their first um, uh, their first kind of loss uh, post uh, earnings call for post um, IPO, which was a three point nine billion dollar loss. It's what you ex- it's like when I've seen all these figures, all oh, Airbnb are down and this is down and that's down. It's expected. Do you know it, it it's expected, but I suppose one thing that Airbnb did as well, they kinda of looked after people as well. Like I mean, like if in a world where your revenue is is down, you also try and come down in terms of your cost as well. Of course. Whereas because Airbnb joined the majority of their staff are like support, uh, tech and so on and so forth, they had to keep those guys there to keep on developing the product. So that loss I think is still very, very big. Not in comparison to likes of Uber and stuff like that but again it is a big loss so on the back of that loss having this strategy pivoting away from the likes of search AdWords or Google Ads high performance marketing is a very very high risk I would say strategy um, but an interesting strategy and look they've got it right so far but on the flip side of that then if everything goes well with vaccines and all this kind of stuff this time next year if we're still here talking to each other, we haven't fallen out by then, we'll be reporting the opposite, where it'll be uh, profits through the roof. Oh, like you you would presume that the capacity of nearly every hotel in any decent city in the world is going to be absolutely like unbelievable. Yeah. Like People are going to be crawl, crying out for experiences. Now, the other point of this is that, okay, like I mean, the UK are saying they're opening up in June. Pandemic isn't over until it's finished globally, yeah. do you know, because you've got variants spreading yeah. and stuff like that. So again, does this flying restrictions? Yeah, all like so stuff. you've got a lot of people saying as well that yeah, your domestic market might be up and running by the end of the summer, but your international consumption experience concert market that might be open for another twelve months, possibly after that. It depends on I don't know how they're going to do it, but um, so that'll be interesting. But no, it's a big. It's a big opportunity for Airbnb, but again, look, a fantastic one of the best case studies I think in terms of an emergent brand. You, 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 you particularly you do this every year with the students, don't you? Yeah, Airbnb. yeah, no, they're a great, they're a great case study to look at how you take a concept, very, very clearly defined value proposition, which isn't totally radical. It's a, it's, it's, it's two steps to the left of of the norm in terms of hotels, in terms of the typical B and B market that you would have in a lot of countries expanding that out to incorporate this kind of sharing economy having an incredible customer service and having an incredible brand story or messaging to support what they're doing it's really amazing now being on this side of it and obviously seeing the success it's done but how how simplistic an idea it actually is do you know for an actual business model you know getting it up and going and stuff it actually is but there's a huge amount I would imagine of the tech side of it behind it oh massive and the customer service in particular that needs to be spot on like I mean if you're travelling abroad 
you need to be looked at. You need to feel safe yeah. and secure because if you go abroad, like you, you, know. you go over, you're staying in the hotel, you kind of feel like, yep, yeah, the check in now, three o'clock, whatever. You're going to someone's house, as you said now, and you're hoping the key is there and you hope the money is okay and you haven't been scammed. It's a bit, it is a big risk, so there is obviously that element. And look, that's probably what they will probably focus on the next time around now as well, is that element of it's a secure, safe, reliable, do you know, that, that that you that's what you're going to get when you book through this platform. No, 100%. And again, what are the stories that they're going to tell out of this? Do you know what I mean? Like, I mean, they've got, like, they did, to be fair, if you look well, at they them... Do, if, you look, if you follow their, their Instagram, I think it's brilliant. Like, it's literally showing, like, the best of the best, like, with the best views, obviously. Oh, of like, course. That's what yeah, it is. yeah. But it actually is a great platform to follow, uh, you know, for content. It actually is really nice. Yeah, yeah. And even if you do, so I did a look um, before we came on using a brand watch, just looking at social yeah. listening, blah, 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 I went back a couple of years. And view with the share of voice of Airbnb versus your Expedia, your Booking.com, but then also individual hotels. Airbnb has about 50% of the market in terms of what people are talking about. Like, people don't talk about Hilton. Yeah. Whereas you talk about Airbnb, even you say, like, um, the way you say it even, oh, we get an Airbnb. Yeah. No one says, oh, I'm going to get it. I got an Expedia. I got yeah. a Booking.com. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? I got a Travago. We don't say that. Yeah. You know what I mean? So even that brand in and of itself is It's um, funny, actually. All, all those kind of we call them gig economy kind of Uber. sectors I got an Uber I got a Liveroo I got, yeah. you know you don't say that I got a chipper you know I got a no, exactly <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly yeah so it's uh, no it's 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 just an interest I think it's an interesting marketing story and again it's one to watch because again we're always looking for like I said we've been saying it since the start of the podcast marketing in many ways has got a bit boring like I mean if you go into any business now the strategy is right search intent yeah. there's this element of the funnel awareness what's your brand that's the complicated bit but after that it gets kind of a little bit a little bit boring and a lot of marketers that I've come across anyway particularly those who are looking at building corporate brands would have focused a lot more of their attention on the purchase and the intention side of things in terms of um, in terms of their overall marketing spend and then in post purchase as well whereas Airbnb are kind of saying Okay, they're obviously going to keep on focusing on post purchase. Well, it's the brand awareness. But stuff, it's the yeah. brand awareness that they appear to be really pivoting yeah. into, which is is we're strange. Cool, but we're it's a cool, funky brand, like you know, where where you should be every time you travel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and again, it's ballsy. It's ballsy to say we don't need to advertise our brand because people just come onto our website anyway. Yeah. Um, thing that popped up for me, we've been talking, I suppose, about TikTok. If not every week, I'd say every second week, and just shows you the way that that platform's going. It's constantly improving it's adding features it's basically trying to be the best of the best and the the, the biggest disruptor in the market but uh in the last day or two now they've launched um basically tiktok for business so it's a profile where they basically share <laughs> just stick to the dog videos is it the dancing puppies sick what are they doing basically they're, share- they're coming up with a profile within the app uh, that's going to share marketing tips usage insights preview upcoming events to help basically all to help advertisers make the most out of the platform so they're obviously trying to get more brands onto the platform more so than individual content creators or just yeah we we said this was worried about this day i said how are they going to monetize the platform and when they monetize it are they going to ruin it and this would ruin it like gen z dancing dogs people dancing comedic value people fun playful all this kind of stuff challenges all this stuff which is the stuff that you go on to TikTok for, if that's saturated with people going, and even I actually found quite irritating actually recently enough is that, because again, look, the algorithm on TikTok is very, very strong. I have actually found a lot more people creating videos on, do you want to start up your own marketing agency? Yeah. Do you want to know how to go drop shipping? And it's like, yeah. I, I don't want 
to consume this content on a platform which is meant to be entertainment orientated I and I even found myself I was like oh Jesus type in dogs dancing <laughs> watch 10 of them and the algorithm will kind of fix itself you know it's just yeah. like oh I don't know so like look, it's going to be interesting what they see it's always interesting to see what people um, I just find that like the audience that they're going after they already have a place yeah. which is YouTube in terms of long form content with your TED Talks and so on and so forth Following your conferences specific channels on Instagram exactly yeah. and then you've got your with your quotes and all that kind of stuff which I hate then you've got your um, your LinkedIn which is more of the kind of blog stuff or advertising your own podcasts or whatever the case may be that stuff is kind of on LinkedIn or kind of taking that and making short form content putting it on TikTok I just don't feel it fits the brand it doesn't fit there's the no, audience there's no differentiation between all the platforms once they start doing that yeah yeah know? no. but it's... like all, all talking about the, the kind of the hub I suppose to, to help businesses on TikTok we've seen it on other platforms you know like Facebook and you know brought out its own hub you know that you can win and get advice and all this and didn't work either so, really not, well I never really used it anyway like, you know I did it played around with it once or twice but you know look I want to find out something I'm going to go to YouTube I'm going to type it in or I'm going to go to Google and find a blog about it you know that's what you and do and I always find with these things as well short snippy like for example again I was talking last week about launch the Shopify store and there was a few things that I wanted to do with new features and stuff like yeah. that and what I did was I went in downloaded the most downloaded white paper in this particular area read the white paper got one demo video then on YouTube just to go through the whole thing and I got the content that I needed yeah. and then, you know, like, whatever I did afterwards. Like, that's the logical way that you go about doing something like that. You don't do research on something in relation to business by looking at the tips and tricks of one or two people. It's just not how you do things, like, you know. Um, moving on from that, another... So, more dogs. More dogs. Less business. <laughs> so just keep putting dogs up on their platforms, don't we? That's it, yeah. <laughs> you get loads of followers. Um... Twitter then is also working on something new. So Twitter Spaces has been doing the rounds in the last few days. Now, this has actually been around since December. They've been beta testing it back then. But basically, it's a audio platform within Twitter, basically. It's like oh. an audio room. What? Oh. Oh. An audio. Where you rooms, where people go into the rooms and they Sounds listen familiar, to people talking. It? Very innovative. Very, well, very Club, innovative. Clubhouse obviously copied it from Twitter, but basically, obviously, with the rise in Clubhouse in the last few weeks, it's kind of put a fire under Twitter's arse to get this up and going. Now, we've seen it before. If they rush too quickly and don't get this right, it's going to fall flat under arse. I think it's a great idea for Twitter to do this, but again, it's out there hiding yeah. its Clubhouse. Like, I mean, why did, Why couldn't they, with the, with, the, with the resources that they have, why couldn't they get this out in December? Like, do you yeah. know what I mean? It's, it's, it's right in their wheelhouse. News, discussion... Like we were talking about the the bit like business opportunity just two seconds ago we were talking about TikTok. If you were to take a platform which is so unsuited to business content that um that doesn't do it at the moment, it's TikTok. If you take a business that is really, really suited to business content but done in a certain way, it's probably Twitter. Mm -hmm. So like this is perfect for Twitter in terms of that that type of thing, but it's a bit yeah, I'm not going to say it's late because they could kill Clubhouse overnight. They'd be but better, they have the brand. They'd be better off. Clubhouse. They'd be better. They'd be better off acquiring Clubhouse. Possibly, but as it's, they do have the brand to keep it there. Like, like I seen what I liked. I I haven't played around. I haven't seen it. I have, I've only kind of been just doing a bit of reading on it. They have this kind of section where you basically go into a room and you have you know you have people have admin or monitor moderator rights and you know you can pick your speakers and stuff it's like good. that. I actually tried. I thought it was quite good. But I thought, why not? 
do you know why not have like an internal kind of almost like a, an internal zoom thing where you can have internal conferences on twitter where people are talking within the room and stuff like that make it more that than just a kind of an audio chat room well that's what so twitter remember we were talking about twitter subscriptions and stuff like that yeah so the total opposite to what i thought would be the case i thought they'd charge everyone a small sub and whatever so apparently what they're actually looking at doing at the moment is that Twitter influencers, news contributors, whatever the story is, would actually create a subscription model, kind of like OnlyFans, but with more clothes, um, <laughs> where you would create content and you would charge your audience to consume this extra content. So that's where this audio rooms actually comes actually okay. to the fore. It's kind of like... Um, whatever you vein or chuck now or any of these guys of oh, 500 yeah. quid there and you're in a room of exclusive 20 Q&A exclusive to yeah. and all these kind of things that's where it looks like the platform is going which would be right in the wheelhouse of of this kind of stuff but i don't think i think that's a great move to make like instead of just doing a room chat it's not going to work like you know people are going to, some are going to use it some are not but as you already said clubhouse is there there's a platform for it as I said, Twitter have a bigger brand. I, th- I would prefer to see it on Twitter. I don't fancy having another social platform to be trying to use. But, you know, I think why not go for it but make it, as you said, make it more... I think, um, I think if it's useful, people will. But associated with, with their their users and their yeah, brand. Yeah, yeah. And uh, but I think even though everyone kind of says they're on a certain... Like, you only have a certain amount of attention, right? So I think that even though you say... I, I feel mine's getting less You less. use... I know, yeah. As <laughs> you're spending too much time listening to me. Um... If you've got a certain amount of attention that you're going to attribute to certain platforms in your day, let's mm-hmm. say, like time is finite. So you're going to divert your attention to different things. So even though, for example, I'm on Facebook, TikTok, um, yeah. t- uh, Twitter or whatever, I dedicate no time to Facebook at all. I dedicate no time to Instagram. I dedicate no time to LinkedIn. Everything at the moment is actually kind of Twitter um, Twitter, TikTok, and then your your Spotify's and all that kind of crap. So I think would if this came out and it was Twitter, would it take from possibly the amount that I would consume on Spotify? Possibly it would. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So you're looking to always leverage consumers' attention, and if you can you know, kill two birds with the one stone and have your text based chat and have your audio as well, then that could be a really really successful product. But look, let's see what they let's see what they do. I like Twitter. I hope they don't ruin it. Hopefully. What else have you got on the list there? Um, sorry now, paper. I lost my notebook. Paper save the environment. No save right. the environment. Yeah, absolutely. So there was a few, um, few interesting ones, I suppose. Um, so Hasbro decided to drop the Mister from their Mister Potato Head brand, um, which was first uh, conceptualized and launched in nineteen fifty two, and obviously is most well known for its um role as a key character in a uh, fan favorite uh, Toy Story. <laughs> Small um, budget film. <laughs> small, but small, small company called Pixar mm. put it together back in the day. So, um, yeah, the potatoes now gotten gender gender neutral potatoes. Mister Potatoes lost out to the PG, is it? Yeah. I look. I'm fed up with seeing every week now. <laughs> every week we are coming across another. You know, you can't say this. You can't say that. You know, and I'm just kind of a bit sick of it now. It's Mister Potato. Like, get over yourselves. I thought. See, see, I didn't know this. So what I thought, and you corrected me wrong. Well, I don't I know th- if I corrected what you. What I thought was happening was that the 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 over. If you look at their brand architecture, the actual brand itself was called Mister Potato Head, and then within that they had a product range which was like Mister Potato Head, Mrs. Potato Head, mm. and so on. So, so the brand characters were remaining. 
but they were removing the gender from the overall brand, well, which w- I actually thought was okay. Well, I didn't mind that. I, I, when you say corrected, you know I could be getting in airspace as well. But what I read, and I, my understanding of it was, is they're getting rid of Mister Potato Head, getting rid of Mrs. Potato Head, and they're going to basically just have Potato Head. And you can get accessories. As an Irish person, I think we should get one I of these find as like a mascot. I think I think that's racist against Irish people. Potato, Potato yeah. head, yeah. Spudhead. Spudhead. Yeah. Oh, look, I'm just look. Every week we're coming across something different about you can't say this and you can't say that. And as I already said, and I'll keep saying it, I'm sick of it. But I wonder with all like with these because like I mean a lot of brands again engaged in social social. It's issues. a plastic potato. Like I know that's kind of that's kind of what I was getting. Kind of like you've got like you've got Nike. And Kaepernick, and you're talking about social injustice and Black Lives Matters and all these important things. And then you've got a plastic toy from children's favourite television show, Toy Story, and they're removing... Yeah, I was going to say... Don't. I was going to say something. There That's not one of the accessories. <laughs> right. <laughs> Moving on. What have we got? What has we got? Quick. Oh God! What else Show do we have? Talk, talk for the what worst. else do we have? Um, so Coke Zero have basically said that they are no longer going to use the word zero. What's because wrong with that? I'm only joking. <laughs> joking, joking. Um, so basically, Coke Zero have gone through another uh, or Coca Cola have gone through another rebrand. Um, so they have the money to do in it. In of course they do. So in 2018, you remember that. Coca-Cola kind of engaged in this unifying brand strategy, whereas before they had the um, Diet Coke, which was um, silver, and then you had um, Coke Zero, which was black, and then you caught so on and so on. It was all coloured. Then you'd notice in 2018, they basically, everything had a red can, and the top was black. That wasn't a unifying brand strategy. That was, we'll trick these stupid people into thinking everything is cold. I thought it was brilliant. It actually worked. It, it actually worked on me. I have to say, because I wouldn't, like, I mean, the classic that we always hear back in the day or the classic case study is that why did Coca-Cola bring out Coke Zero? Is that because men won't um, consume products with the word diet in it? Yeah. And it had to be zero because yeah. zero sounds masculine and sexy. Yeah. So, the, um, zero sounds sexy. <laughs> so, the, it's the um, tagline. It's the tagline, yeah. So, the, um, so this is kind of a, a pivot from that again whereas now it's the full red coke can yeah. but the text is in black as opposed to your traditional white which is what your classic coke coal is so like i saw it in the shop earlier on um i thought it stood out Um, obviously look i think coke know themselves that with the sugar levies with changes in consumer trends it would not surprise me that within the next kind of 20 years there was a complete eradication of sugary drinks of that level of content like you're only in a short period of time you've gone from uh, the double serve can to the single serve can and to the proliferation of people consuming the zero product when they traditionally wouldn't so there is a move in this kind of in this direction and i'd say they're almost good almost like what mcdonald's had to do a number of years ago where they had to bring in the salads and the kind of proper chicken and all this kind of stuff um and I think that's what they're going for. I think eventually your Coca-Cola or your Coke Zero will be almost your, your dominant product and this is the first step towards that. Well, even from like even from a retailer point of view, like, you know, they prefer to be stocking Coke Zero because it's cheaper to buy. There's no, and there's no tax. <laughs> and yeah, you can yeah. charge exactly, the same yeah. price for it. Yeah. Like, you know, if you want, you know, only a few people will cop onto it. Like, so you see a lot of retailers doing that. Um, anything else pop up for you this week? The, the, while I might have finished with Coke yet. So one thing that I would say and... It's a, so 
we're all moving towards sustainability, right? And I'm not bloody climate change denier or anything Careful. like that. I'm saying that I know I'm being so, and we need to like the, the plastic. I know, I know, I know. The like the the paper straws, getting rid of plastic yeah. and all that. Well, in support of that, you had Carlsberg a number of years ago, getting rid of the kind of the fish, the rings, the rings yeah. and putting in the self click. All brilliant stuff. However. If you want people to consume sustainably, the sustainable alternative needs to be either as good as better. Otherwise, people revert back to the norm, basically. So I was in the supermarket earlier on, got okay. my eight cans of Coke Zero in the new um, the new branding. Um, and it was, instead of being in the plastic shell, shall we say, it was being held together by kind of a, a cardboard, for want of a better word, a kind of a cardboard top. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, Basically, like the, it's just holding the top of the can. Yeah, 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 yeah. And what happened? I picked it up oh, and all it. the cans fell out the arse of the fucking, of the fucking <laughs> thing. And, of course, we're in COVID, so I couldn't just pick them up and put them back on the shelves because then people would be getting fucking... <laughs> so I had to basically sit, stand there like an idiot in the middle of a supermarket manager came and I was like well like it's not my fault the box fucking I didn't rip out the cans and start smashing them off the floor like a moron you know so again what did I end up doing went up going and getting a big plastic bottle instead because I knew that that wouldn't grow and that's the point is that with all of these solutions make sure it works and even I'll find like I even find the um the straws, the, the paper straws. Oh, they don't work. They just, basically, they go to mush. They disintegrate. Yeah, yeah, and it's a horrible, horrible experience. And, and I know, like, again, the point here is that it's all well and good being environment, being environmental. Oh, oh, but consumers yeah. are going to opt for the more enjoyable experience 90% of the time because we have to assume that the majority of consumers are very, very individualistic. And if they're not individualistic, they care about their immediate yeah. community or group of friends like, or family, whatever the story is. So... If you do not create products which are, again, either better or as good as the non-sustainable or unsustainable alternative, then people are just going to revert back. And obviously there's legislation you can bring in just ban all plastic. Like, you can go about that way as well. But if brands are taking these steps to try and become more sustainable, sustainable, it has to work. I actually seen during the week there, um, starting to pop back up again. Obviously, we're starting to get into the, the phase of kind of reopening businesses and stuff. But obviously, as you talk about the compost compostable cups or whatever it is before lockdown happened there was a huge push happening on in terms of reusable cups and you know bring your own cup and all that kind of stuff and get money off and stuff like that covid hits Got all it. out the window Got everyone that had the, the the back room full of the old paper was straight back out again yeah it was yeah like, i'll show you there was local businesses near us and they were saying like i did open up the warehouse like yeah, the yeah. hundreds of coffee cups being shut like it's actually like but then See, again, this goes back to the, the inherent kind of the, the understanding and kind of the communication here is going to be very, very important. So they're saying that disposable cups are better for your health, ultimately, what they're saying, because um, it's easier to spread germs. I'm not talking about COVID, I'm talking about flu, I, colds and all Personally, that kind of I don't get it because if you, have a, if you bring your own cup, you've been drinking it, you have to hand it to someone. And they fill it and give it back to you. Yeah, I presume. Whereas I presume, if you with the takeaway cup, they're still filling it and still giving yeah, it. Yeah, but you. I presume it's. This the, is probably logic too. I don't know. No, personally. I suppose your the difference is, is the, the amount of touches, right? So you're handing it to them. Yeah, if yeah. you have COVID you and give you it give it to them. it to them, then they give it to everyone else subsequently. Yeah. Whereas if they're touching the cup and giving it to you, just doesn't matter that. if you've COVID. They're just giving you yeah, essentially. Yeah. <laughs> so that no, that that bit makes sense. But I think anyway, that communication right the, the vaccines are on the way. <laughs> yeah, well, there was actually speaking of that protest on um, 
speaking of that uh, protest on Saturday, there was one um, individual and he held up a big sign with a needle on it. And uh, the tagline is, um, they're coming for you. And I saw on uh, Twitter, someone just posted under it, yeah, would they hurry the fuck up? <laughs> <laughs> true, true. So, have you anything else there for this week? Um, the only other one, which I actually probably should have brought up there, we were talking about TikTok, but again, it actually just shows you again the, the, the different ways that TikTok, I suppose, are looking to generate revenue, is um, they're after partnering with the UFC, and they're basically going to be offering exclusive How pre <laughs> I uh, Connor I was in trouble I'd say somehow another after his last I don't follow UFC to be honest which I don't I don't um, he's an incredible case study but I don't follow UFC um, but no again it just shows you TikTok rapidly expanding the traction that they're getting in the market audiences generating revenue from ancillary places what are really, the hell, really how are they teaming up with the UFC what way uh, so basically exclusive content before fights after fights and then also streaming of fights as well Okay. Um, and I don't know exactly what the makeup of the partnership is going to look like in terms of the content side of things but there's obviously going to be exclusivity here in terms of what you're going to be able to and actually remember we spoke last week about TikTok possibly creating their own teleshopping channel mm. so obviously there's a move towards more long form but yeah. instantaneous content and that I think will be very very powerful for them they're, they're just they're partnering up with everyone obviously to create better like because we talked about a few weeks ago where they were partnering up with um the Universal Music or Warner, yeah, know, all the, the record labels for all that kind of stuff. Because obviously, look, there's a huge amount of um viral videos with a serious amount of you know it's kind of picks a track or you know the whole yeah, yeah. challenge 100%. is done on a track or whatever. So it's obviously huge money being lost or passed around somewhere. hundred all like so. I mean, you'd imagine now if you are Justin Bieber's agent or you whatever want story is better than someone to create a challenge. How, how do we create? How do we turn this into a challenge? Yeah. And that that is the number one conversation now. And I've even I've actually found it myself. If I'm just going to take and I hear a song, I'm like, oh, what's that song? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and then yeah. you're going into Spotify and you search. And I actually, it's actually really really interesting. If you go on to YouTube now, some of the highest searches are for. TikTok video what TikTok is, video yeah, song yeah. of this challenge or whatever the story is do you know what I mean so yeah. the search patterns are changing as well so no I'm really kind of um, as a marketing person I'm very very excited about what TikTok are going to be doing to break this kind of convention well, we do, as we said we've, we do seem to be talking about it every week or second week that there's something new you know and it's not small things you know little features they're they're launching big things into yeah. it but and let's talk and again let's talk about look we spoke today about two things one um, Airbnb coming out of performance marketing yeah. which is Google and YouTube and then you've got TikTok innovating in terms of the creative and kind of attention side of things um, like again there's gaps here to be filled shall we say in terms of consumer attention it's going to be very interesting to see what happens brilliant well I think that's everything for this week um, thanks again for listening next week we have a guest coming up it's uh, Dennis Finbar Cron from Galway basically uh, digital marketing expert uh, runs his own podcast kind of involved in a couple of things up there so we'll be getting his take on different areas of social media personal branding um, and content creation so make sure you listen in next week once again you can follow us across all social media platforms and uh, thanks very much again for listening chat to you next week talk to you later